Each year, IKEA launches its Life at Home report. It's the longest-running and biggest study of life at home across 30 different countries. This year, the report found that privacy is lacking in our lives, which has a big impact on our general well-being. Privacy is one of the most important emotional needs at home. However, it is also one that Australians feel they don't get enough of. One of the ways we can enhance privacy in our home is by spending time in activities that encourage mindfulness. One of these activities, loved by many Australians, is looking after plants in our homes and our gardens. Today we're talking to one of Australia's leading gardeners and landscapers, Jason Hodges, about the role plants play in our life at home with advice on how we can make the most of our green fingers wherever we live. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really excited to have a chat around plants. Hello. Thanks for having me. We know that there's been a massive resurgence in gardening around the home, in the home, outside the home. How important do you think plants are in our everyday life at home? If you wound it back to when we were cavemen, we were surrounded by it 24-7. You know, that you walked out of your cave and everything was green and lush and the air was clean and you could, you know, forage for food and you could find everything you needed was at your fingertips. So fast forward 2020, you know, we walk out our front door. It's not quite the same, but it's important that we are surrounded by green and it's the most calming colour for us because for millions of years, that's the main colour that we've been looking at. So you always hear people talk about, oh, the salt water or the sea rejuvenates me. I think we take the garden, the parks, the lawns, all those things for granted. And the difference between a house that's styled with indoor plants and one that doesn't have any, it's the difference between chalk and cheese. Yeah, no, and I think that's very true, right? You sort of look outside and what you want to do is really be part of nature and it really does refresh you. Why do you think people are really starting to bring plants inside the home? We're seeing that as a massive trend that's coming through. I think what's happened in 2020 with coronavirus has made a lot of people think about what they put up with maybe for 50 weeks a year or 51 weeks a year and then spoil themselves for a week or two when they go on the holiday or they go back to their parents' house or they go back to where they grew up. And you go, oh, mum and dad's lawn, the fresh herbs and veggies that mum and dad pick from, or the Italian neighbours that I used to have, all these memories are all feel-good memories that because there's not ads about them on TV and we're not reading about it every day, it's quite easy to forget. But once you see it and we've had to slow down or we've had to isolate or whatever it is, and you oh, I wouldn't mind trying a veggie garden. I wouldn't mind trying some herbs. And then that carries over to... Jeez, this room's stuck and I've been in here for a month. The reality is you're in it every night when you come home. So the purchase of an indoor plant or greening up a wall or something, I reckon if 10 people have started gardening this year because of what's happened, one or two of them will be falling in love with it. Another two or three will go, that's really helped. And a few of them will fail and they'll just go back to where they were. (laughs) You know what? It'd be great to hear from you in a second around some tips on how to really you know, grow plants in a good way. But before we get into that, you know, you spoke about the benefits, I guess, of bringing plants indoors in terms of what people are feeling, but actually what are the benefits of bringing plants indoors? A plant about the size of our body, so something about five, six foot or 1.5, 1.8 metres tall and with about the same sort of mass if it was solid can improve the air quality by about 50%. So you go and put a few of them through your house and it's like the difference between rainwater and water that comes from the tap. You know, it's just pure. It's come from the sky. It's been given to us. It doesn't get any better than that. You know, having air conditioners and, you know, the things that purify your air, well, Mother Nature didn't invent them. 
there's still a machine that needs to be plugged into a wall where the plant can do it for you. And so apart from the aesthetics of making the place look fresh, apart from the aesthetics of bringing the outside in so you feel a bit more comfortable, actually improving the air and making the place different and unique to your neighbours because, you know, we all have a couch, we all have a table, we all have this. But if you've got a bit of an eye for plants and you can move them around easy, they're one lift carry sort of thing, so you can change your room quite easily, so change your look as well. And do you recommend any plants in terms of um, air purifying? Yeah, the larger the leaf, the more it's going to do. So big strappy leaf plants like elephant's ears, fiddle leaf fig, which has been really popular over the last couple of years. Yuccas are great. Palms and ferns are really good. So succulents and and little pots of colour are great, but they don't really do a lot to the air. But the bigger the leaf, the more it's going to do. From an IKEA perspective, one of the insights that we've learned is that actually some of the plants can be really great for zoning spaces within the home. What's your view on on that and how would you help people create, I guess, a little private nook with using plants? It's a, a really good use of getting a second purpose out of it. And I've got a great example. We've just bought a new house, haven't done any renovations, and it's bedroom, 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 and then kitchen, dining, lounge rooms, one big room. So it might be... 12, 13 metres long and about four metres wide. So you can be in the kitchen seeing exactly what's on television and looking at the pile of mail on the dining room table at the same time. We've got some rafus palms, which they're kind of bulky. They've got a strappy leaf to it, but there's foliage from the pot all the way up to the top. We've got two of them behind a couch and it breaks up a TV that you can't see from the kitchen or the dining table. It creates that zone room, breaks it up. And the best thing about it is like we've only been there three months. We've already moved the couch twice and then just moved these two chairs with it. And if that was a wall, you couldn't move the wall, could you? Unless you got a builder in. So it gives you six foot height, which is all you need because I'm six foot, so I can't see over it. And the kids and my partner definitely can't see over it. And, you know, if we have people over, we move them to the walls and then you've created the big space and sort of 10, 15 people can move around in that space easily. And then we put them back and four people can live in that space with a bit of privacy. Awesome. That's an excellent tip. I would love to pick your brain now in terms of how we actually grow plants. So what are some of the biggest mistakes you've seen? Killing plants with kindness would be the biggest mistake I've seen. So there's people that call themselves black thumbs. You know, oh, I'm a black thumb. I can't grow anything. You can. Indoor plants, rule of thumb, probably half the water that you think it needs, but twice as often. So you've got to look at an indoor plant as a newborn baby. And some newborn babies need to stay in humidity cribs for a little bit longer because they're not quite developed. They came out early, whatever. So a big plant in a small pot is always going to be that, that needy baby. But things like succulents, agaves, yuccas, they're as tough as an old pair of blundstone boots and they'll last forever. So, you know, they thrive on neglect. So overwatering them is going to sort of get their feet wet and then they might start to rot. But the reality is if you were to water your plant, stick your thumb or your finger in it. If the soil doesn't stick to your finger, the soil's dry. If it does stick to your finger, it's moist. So if it's moist, give it half the water you think it needs. And if it's bone dry, maybe take it out into the garden or your patio or your courtyard and give it a really good soaking so all that soil's wet and if it happens consistently that your soil's really dry you probably need to repot it because the potting mix isn't a forever thing they put nutrients and wetting agents and fertilizer in there and if the plant exhausts that and it's grown out of the pot 
well, it's like us living in a one square meter room. We're going to go stir crazy and end up, you know, not being real happy. It's the same for a big plant in a small pot. So about once every 12 months, you should look at the soil that you're planting. Some great tips there. I'm going to write those down for sure. You're making me feel good. (laughs) And in terms of, I guess, are there any other external factors that contribute to the health of the plant within the home? Yeah, so probably the biggest thing that's going to knock a plant around is ducted heating, air conditioning and cooling. Even when you're cooling your house, you're drying the air out and that's how the plants breathe. So, look, it's a good idea that if you can't take them outside and give them a wash, the whole plant, put them in the shower and turn the cold water on and and give them a wash from above. It dusts them. It gets all the dust off the foliage, which is how they breathe. So that's, that's one plus. But it also just creates a little bit of humidity around the plant and they're happy when they're sort of warm and cosy with a bit of humidity. So air conditioning and heating, just keep an eye on your plants in winter we're turning the heating up the plants drying out but it's even if it's in a really sunny spot near a window it's not getting a lot of daylight because the days are shorter so the plants sort of in survival mode over winter and then with that extra heat if you're pumping your house at 30 degrees your plants gonna show signs so just keep an eye on it when you're using the extremes of the really cool air conditioning and the really hot heating that's so interesting about giving your plant a shower I love that. I didn't even think of that. That's quite fascinating. Yeah, well, the leaves of their lungs. So just like if we were had bronchitis or if we had the flu or if we we're a smoker, our lungs aren't going to function as well as someone who eats well and looks after themselves. I'd like to say I was the latter. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it does make a difference to our health and definitely our plants and their longevity. And we want good-looking plants in the house. We don't want something that's just hanging in there. We want something that, you know, you bought it, looks like you bought it from the best nursery the day before. So, you know, you want happy, healthy, not, oh, I'm surviving. <laughs> no, very good. Jason, can you talk to me a little bit about privacy in the home? We know through our Life at Home report that obviously attaining privacy has a big impact on people's well-being. What is it for you that really helps you attain well-being in the home? Well, getting my 10-year-old boy to close the toilet door would be a really good start as far as privacy goes with my family, but I don't think that's what you're talking about. Privacy in the garden would be, you know, and if you're thinking of suburbia, blocking out the neighbours, hiding out the windows, I find that to be really important. If you're on a unit, a townhouse, and you're limited in space, hanging baskets, we spoke about that, a really good idea. It's just a visual block. It's not going to screen off the whole thing, but you only need the visual block. I look at it a little bit like a a pool fence. Back in the day, we used to paint all our pool fences white, and about 10, 15 years ago, we worked out that if you painted them black – you saw straight through them. So, you know, having something in the foreground doesn't have to block out everything like that white fence, but it still draws your eye and you can't see what's behind it. So having something that might flower white, like petunias, gardenias, azaleas, hydrangeas, those sorts of plants, your eyes draw into the bright colour and you don't notice what's behind it. One of the best investments, if you do have a backyard and you can screen off your neighbours, every window that disappears that you can't see is adding value to your house. If you walk out in your backyard and you look around and you can see four or five two-storey houses or a block of units or a petrol station, a primary school, a main road, it's a negative if you're selling your house. So it's obviously a negative if you walk out there with your friends and family to relax. So if you can screen them out, whether it be with a hedge or if you can screen them out with a vertical wall or a high fence 
baskets or hanging baskets like I was speaking of. You walk outside, you and your friends can relax because you're not having those windows, that petrol station, that road looking at you. And then when you go to sell it, you can relax because, you you know, the dollars that you've spent have probably tenfold for you. And there's a good saying about you spend a dollar well on your house and it improves it by $2. Well, in the garden, that dollar can be $10. It can be $20. It could be $100. I'll use the example. I bought a house next to a petrol station and you walked out the back. It was in a nice suburb, but there was a petrol station. You walked out the back, you're standing on the deck and you just saw four cars coming in at a time, headlights hitting me, smells, noise everything at the petrol station. On the deck, I put some pots in. I had different height palms. Good thing about that, they're in pots, so when I sold the house, they came with me. And for the rest of the backyard, I planted a lily pilly, which is an Australian native. The reason why I chose lily pilly is it's got a single leader, and that just means it's going to get tall quicker than something that's multi-branched that wants to go wide and high. Bought that house, I think it was 320000 and sold it about two years later for half a million, so $180,000, and I painted that house. So I spent about 1000 bucks on paint, and I spent about $500 on plants and made 180000 Now, I know the market was going up, but the reality was I was next to a petrol station, and when I sold it, you couldn't see the petrol station. You had to look for it out the front. So the difference is you sit on the back and drink your coffee and stare at four cars, well, you sit out the back and drink your coffee and you got the quietest neighbour in the world because they're not there from 8 o'clock at night until 7 o'clock the next morning and I turned it into an asset. So plants can be a really good investment and that privacy thing's a big thing. You feel different when you know people can, even if they're not, see into your areas where you're relaxing. That's a great example of how privacy can really, you know, is really valued, yeah. you know, among people. I think that's a really fascinating example. My next question for you Tips on equipment for gardening. What can you share with us? Well, lots of people that don't like gardening don't have the good gear. I wouldn't like driving if I was in a 1984 Mitsubishi Sigma that had three wheels and no brakes. And so lots of people don't have a nice fitting pair of secateurs or, you know, a little spade if they're just using pots or a good digging shovel if they're in the backyard, the choice of mower, all these things. And it's not about how much you spend. It's just making sure they fit you. So we've pretty much got two of everything at home because I'm six foot tall and weigh a hundred kilos and Lisa's five foot tall and weighs uh, if she hears this, she weighs about 35 kilos, don't you, Lisa? Um, so the difference between the two of us is dramatic. So I want to lift up a big long-handled spade that I know I can get under a plant and not break, and she wants to lift one up that's not going to break her. So secateurs, just like golf clubs or running shoes, you want to make sure they fit. It's not really about how much they are. Again, it's not about how much they are and what, how they do the job. It's how you look after them. If you use a pair of secateurs, leave them on the back veranda or on the barbecue stand or the table when they get wet and they get rusty, then it's trying to cut you know, wood with a, a sledgehammer rather than with an axe. You know, so if you put them back where they are, give them a spray of WD-40 or a lubricant every now and then, they'll last you a lifetime. There's $5 secateurs that will last you a lifetime if you look after them. I lose them before I break them. So I don't necessarily spend a lot of money on them. I just make sure they fit me and they feel right in my hand. And I think... Just like everything else, if you've got a nice pen, it's easier to write. If you've got a nice car, it's easier to drive. It's safer. If you've got 
crappy tools in the garden, you're not going to enjoy yourself. You're going to do less and you're going to get a worse result. So that goes for courtyard patio or quarter acre with a beautiful lawn. Well, thank you so much for having a chat with us today. It's been brilliant and I've learned a lot from you. So fantastic. I could talk about gardening all day. It's great to have the opportunity and I really appreciate you choosing to speak to me. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks.